Computer, scan files. Select mask agents best suited for this mission. Jason Gross, radio broadcaster, retro gamer, blogger, mask movie co-writer, vehicle codename 6000, 80 screw skills critical, Wyatt Bloom, broadcast technician, DJ, critic, mask movie co-writer, vehicle codename Phoenix, 80s analysis vital. Personnel approved. Assemble Mobile Armored Strike Command. Well, welcome, listeners, to MassCast 66 and our overview of Season 5 of MassCast. In this podcast, we'll be reflecting on Episodes 41 to 50, and uh, that'll include our favorite and sometimes least favorite moments from each episode, our personal ratings and the polling results, and also the results of our new poll, which asked the listeners which episodes were their favorites out of this 10-episode stretch. And then after we break out some statistics and compare the 10 episodes to the first 40 episodes of Mask, we will uh, then get into uh, a preview of next season, season six of Cast, And we'll take a little bit of time to look at episodes 51 to 60 and uh, give us something to look forward to in the next stretch. But before we start the extravaganza, allow us to introduce ourselves. I'm one of your humble hosts, Jason, and of course with me, as always, is my longtime friend and co-host, Wyatt. Are you a warrior of Symbion? Our reaches of the universe is the star planet Symbion, a perfect world until their biological experiments exploded, creating an exotic realm beyond all belief. As mutant life forms ravaged their global paradise, a new and incredible species emerged, the Sectars. With Prince Dargon leading his warriors of the Shining Realm against the evil General Spydrax, he would destroy all to rule all. His terror troops of the Dark Domain know no mercy. I have no idea what you just said. <laughs> you stumped me well, again. I decided to throw a cheap plug in because we did talk a little bit about this before in our latest Memory Jogger podcast, and that would be the Sectors. Oh, yeah. And they are making a comeback in uh, toy form. If uh, you guys don't remember, it was a short-lived 80s property think around maybe 86 or 87 and it was basically a human and insect infused toy line they actually had uh, a little bit larger size around the six inch size instead of you know like your gi joe size or even a little bit taller than masters of the universe uh they actually had like little puppets that were the vehicles (laughs) or animals you know that the figures rode on and uh, they actually did a uh, short-lived comic book series and also a five-episode cartoon miniseries. And uh, I decided why to go ahead and look up like we've done before. Oh, that would be um, 
there are some uh, some people you might recognize. I just might. The main character, which one I mentioned there, was Dargon. He was voiced by Dan Gilvezen. Now, Dan Gilvezen is uh, Bumblebee in Transformers. Oh. He was uh, he was the original Bumblebee voice. Mantor character was voiced by Peter Cullen. He's all over the place. (laughs) And it's a lot of the same people we know. Neil Ross, he was involved. He was Waspax. And BJ Ward, which we mentioned, she provided additional voices. She was, uh, was it Scarlet in G.I. Joe? I think uh, she played Princess Allura in Voltron. Right. She's also, um, she's a PBS character. Name skips my mind right now, but she's a PBS character now. There was. Okay. Spider Flyer. That was voiced by Arthur Burghardt, who was Destro in G.I. Joe. Which we're going to meet. Uh, which we're hopefully going to meet this year at RetroCon. Uh, let me see who else was on here. Else we might know. Uh, another one was Michael Hack. A character called Secor, and he's voiced uh, uh, some voices, I guess, best known for Dragon Tales on PBS. But he also did some kind of back in the day, too, uh, on the Centurions. He was on there. And uh, Chuck Norris's Karate Commandos. He's actually vo- the voice director on those and he was the voice director for the ALF uh, cartoon series. And then also, uh, Raplor was Frank Welker. Oh, wow. So we have uh, another uh, instance of Optimus Prime and Megatron appearing <laughs> in another show. That's so cool. You know, it's, what's really intriguing is how... how- they seem to keep repeating. You know, they they're they're yeah. They all seem to work together in different in different venues, and you would think uh, like this. This this is what seems to be miles away from well any type of fandom uh, following. Right. And yet they were voiced for for their cast for those voices. It's just remarkable that that. that they seem to just keep going and going and going. <laughs> right. Um, it just, it's a testament to their talent and how they can go from show to show. And while you can probably pick out their voice, they can still distort it enough to not be doing the same character each show, you right. know? That's really interesting. So anyway, yeah, I was glad that, uh, to see that uh, sectors were coming back. And uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed for a mask uh, <laughs> coming up later this year, maybe at uh, Has what is it Hascon, the new Hasbro Comic Con. But we we shall see. That's yet to uh, been revealed. Yeah, I'd like to go to the so. Hascon and almost you know have a T-shirt with a uh, with a poster on it. We want mask. We want mask. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, uh, we'll uh, close the door or close the hive on the on the sectars, 
and uh, we're going to do a short little get your mask on. Get your mask on. Coming up next week on next Wednesday, uh, the mask comic will continue with mask number six. And uh, they're going to start basically the first five issues. If you haven't been reading along was one story arc, as they say, and it ended with uh, issue five. So they're starting a new journey, I guess you'll say, in issue six, where they're going to be looking at the origin of Venom. So this ought to be uh, interesting. And we wanted to also pass along our uh, congratulations to Brandon Easton, who was nominated for four uh, Glyph Awards. And those actually are tied to a uh, convention uh, somewhere on the East Coast. I can't remember off the top of my head. I want to say maybe it was even Philadelphia where we go to RetroCon. But um, it was tied to that and uh, essentially to African-American characters. So it's interesting how, you know, they we changed the race of Matt Tracker and I'm, being nominated for anything to me is a pretty big deal. So even though there was some hesitation, and I think a lot of people have been not turned off, but not exactly uh, embracing the change, but there's still some people out there that see it as kind of, I see it in that, you know, it's Mask, it's a new version of Mask, was never intended to be the original, and I have enjoyed the writing and and the uh, action and everything that they've built into this new series, so... Congrats to him for uh, doing that. And even, even some of the artists, I think, were nominated um, as a part of the, the whole team and the whole book being uh, nominated. So, right. Great job. Good on that. Did you have anything you wanted to add as far as uh, mask news or anything? Uh, not mask news, but I will plug uh, RetroCon since we seem to be very partial to that. We just found yes. out today, thank you, Jason, that we are going to be graced with an awesome 80s character, even an early 90s character. Uh, and of late, he is real popular on video games. He's the voice actor for a lot of games. That he's kind of like uh, Doug Stone. You know, he has, he has a resume so long, he has no idea who he did anymore. Uh, and that's being Dwight Schultz, a.k.a. Murdoch, H.M. Murdoch from the original A-Team. Uh, I, can, I, I just can't wait to see him. I, yeah. uh, I think I remember sending you this, Jason, uh, well, maybe three or four years ago, and then you said, yeah, you'd already seen it. But there was a Comic-Con that he and Dirk Benedict, who played the, I'll call it the, the later... Uh, face man. He wasn't the, the first cast. Right. But uh, it was interesting to watch that bit. Uh, mm-hmm. I encourage people to go Google it if you haven't to go see that. Uh, but the favorite story out of that was that he actually got fired during the pilot. And it was because <laughs> he was too over the top, basically. So what you see mm-hmm. as H.M. Murdoch was really what he was like with that character. He liked kind of going to the extreme with his characters. Uh, and I guess yeah. he pushed the envelope for some of his production crew or director or, you know, one of the two and the other 
is basically who rehired him <laughs> and said, no, we like this. <laughs> this is actually what we were looking for. We want an actor to like basically let it all out. He's supposed to be insane anyway. So yeah. I'm just anxious to see how, you know, him in person and see what it, you know, yeah. what he's like. If he's there, really calm and collected type of thing, uh, or if he's really like, we're going to, we're going to know it when we walk in the center, you know? <laughs> I wonder if he's going to wear the jacket. That's all I want to know. He has to. Well, you know, <laughs> he was a Star Trek dude for a couple of years in the next generation. He was, uh, uh, several years. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I went through this series. I'm going back through the series here again, uh, next generation. And, uh, when I did see it, he is, I, I hate to say it, but I do label him a little bit of, he has a touch of HM in him on that character that he, <laughs> he does. And I'm like, this is, pretty cool i like i like it so yeah yeah i another cheap plug i'll throw in there was uh i found and posted over on rediscover the 80s uh it's been several years ago a reunion show that they filmed uh probably about 10 years ago where a guy came over essentially a super fan from i believe it was from england yeah. And he tried to find all the living actors as part of the show and try to get them essentially together to reunite and talk and all that stuff. And he got pretty much everybody, um, obviously, except for Hannibal, who had passed away, George Papard. And uh, he even got to sit down with Mr. T for a while. He didn't come to that little reunion later, but right uh, he got to sit down with Mr. T and... It was cool. Right. I had seen that. And, and basically they re- reunited at a bar. That was the, the where they were all supposed to yeah. uh, reunite. And it was funny because they even got, uh, what's his name? The uh, Decker, Colonel yeah, Decker. Yeah. They got him to reunite. And he's like, I finally caught up to the A-team. Uh, I think it's how he intro- <laughs> you know, introduced himself into the room. So yeah. it was kind of comical. That was really neat. And they ambushed Dirk Benedict, which was kind of, uh, I felt bad for Dirk. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, the whole video is just awesome. Again, yeah. Google it. And they, the, when they, uh, when they got Schultz, he was actually in the middle of some voice acting gig. He was actually and auditioning, they, which is hilarious. Oh, wait, he was auditioning. Okay. Yeah. And they marched like marched right in on him. And hi, can you? <laughs> you were Murdoch, right? And can you reunite? And he was like, uh, can you give me a second to finish what I'm trying to do here? <laughs> That was interesting, but anyway, yes, I'm looking forward to meeting him at RetroCon, and there's uh, a couple more voice actors going to be there, and I'm told we got one more announcement coming maybe towards the end of June or July. Um, The show is actually in October this year, so if you want to keep tabs on that, I believe you just go to RetroCons with an S uh, on Twitter, uh, also on Facebook and uh, everything that they've been announcing, I've been kind of rehashing over there on uh, rediscover the eighties. So uh, looking forward to this year's show. And uh, if you guys are, who are listening and listen to mass cast and follow agents of mask are going to plan to go, let us know and we'll uh, meet up with you and say hi and maybe give you some goodies. If we can uh, get some goodies printed or, uh, whatever to pass out uh, when we're there. So uh, anyway, looking forward to that. And I guess with that, we'll wrap up our uh, get your mask on segment and uh, 
let's get into our overview, man. Sounds great. Let's start the Mousecast. So uh, we intro our show with uh, episode 41, which was Stop Motion as the title. The plot is Gloria Baker enters the Indianapolis 500 race, but her race is cut short by Venom, who uses an EMP bomb to fund their organization. With the capability of knocking out electronics for miles around, Mayhem attempts to rob a corporation which could jeopardize bank vaults across the USA, with only masks standing in their way. Funny how that rhymes. Uh, <laughs> well, going over the ratings, first our listener polls, we had a 33% voted for a 5 and a 4, with 17% voting for a 3, 11% for a 1, and 6 for a 2. So it was yes. kind of weighted a little heavy on the five and four, but it was really all over, uh, to coin a phrase, all over the spectrum, you know. Yep. And we rated it pretty high, too. Uh, I gave it a four, and you gave it a five. Right. Which was uh, more towards what the listeners were aiming for in this one. And uh, just some things that I kind of remember about the episode was uh, – it had a more kind of practical plot Mm -hmm. and I loved how it used the actual, you know, Indianapolis 500 race. It, it, it kind of added some uh, backing to Gloria's resume as a race car driver. You know, she's actually entering the Indianapolis 500, which is the, one of the largest races in the world, you know? So I, I was, uh, I was pretty favorable on this episode and, there was one shot I remember where I think it was right after the break when Scott and T-Bob are, what did they fall out of the blimp, I think, or something. Yeah. And they ended up, uh, you know, floating back to the ground, I think, uh, with a parachute or something. But as they are coming down to the ground, Scott drops his helmet. Uh, it was like racing helmet that he was wearing the, the entire episode. And there's this really cool reflective shot off the visor of them I don't know if it was like them floating to the ground or them kind of approaching the the helmet. But uh, I I don't know. I think throughout, in my opinion, and I'm I'm kind of skipping ahead, but throughout this 10-episode stretch, the the animation was still kind of top-notch, and they came up with some real inventive shots of just, you know, how to show reflection and, and, and even blurring the screen, you know, when when needed and things like that. So what did you kind of take out of this uh, episode? Well, maybe in the electronics guru, what was fascinating is, you know, the plot is that they EMP the whole race and everything is basically knocked out. Even the cars are knocked out. Mm -hmm. Uh, T-Bob goes on the fritz, but the only thing that's not affected is the, PA system, and they used the older technology of vacuum tubes to be the ultimate mm-hmm. reason why it was immune to an EMP pulse. So I really found that fascinating. Because, you know, that's such an, especially in our modern world, that's really an archaic technology, but that vacuum <laughs> tube has, had been around for several decades. Uh, yeah. And I remember even mentioning it in our in that podcast uh, that 
we a lot of transmitters like AM transmitters specifically still had those up into the early to mid eighties before they began transitioning to transistors and whatnot. So it was, I, I, I found that really the fascinating mm-hmm. portion of the whole thing. The only thing, and I'm looking back at it now, since we're getting further ahead, especially with Firefly, you would have mm-hmm. thought that would have been the precursor. That would have been the kickoff to introduce yeah. Firefly, but it wasn't. Or even, um, Oh, you're going to have to use your expertise here. But the other, there's another racer uh, that's part of the racing series. Yeah, that was um, Matt's car. Yeah. That was more of an indie car for Goliath. Right. So that's what, um, you know, I'm thinking that would have been a great episode to introduce that. So, uh, but nonetheless, it was yeah. still a, a very good, and, and just like you, for the most part throughout this, this uh, we'll call it our so-called season five, you're right, the animation has been far better than uh, it has in the past. Yeah, so, they, they've, yeah. they've made progress. They've really, uh, and it shows that they've, they've got the experience, you know, to pump right. these out. And, it, and you, it, I'm sure it's with every TV show, whether it's cartoon right. or you know, sitcom or whatever, there's things that they come along with. They see improvements. I can see that in different 80s shows. You can see that, like, camera technology or the lighting has improved. So, you know, a, a season or two, you notice things are brighter or the audio right. seems better. Or in our case, in the 80s, grown up with uh, available in stereo, where, you know, that kind of technology <laughs> was kind of cool. Right, right. And, really, I mean, really the only thing that was not or is not consistent even throughout the whole series is the writing in those little details. So it's nice when they get some really technical details, like what you were mentioning, correct. And when there's just blatant errors or just unbelievable uh, stunts or things that happen in the episode, it, it, at least for me, now that we're going through these at a later age, it kind of takes you out of the episode more. And you notice the details more. So, well, let's go on to uh, episode 42, which was the Artemis Enigma. And uh, the plot for this one was Venom steals some sacred antlers from a Greek monastery that are rumored to detect gold. And it's up to Mask to stop Venom and return the artifact back to the monks. Uh, the listeners on this one, they voted 39% for four and also 39% for a three. And then 23% of them voted for two. So we had no five. We have no extremes in this one. We had no fives and no ones. Uh, and we kind of landed more towards the middle like they did. Yeah, we did. We seemed to, like you said, land right in the middle. Uh, you were a little more not as forgiving as I. It seemed <laughs> to be a trend. But yeah, you know, I scored a three. You scored a two. I guess the the best out of this episode was that there was still the great animation. The detail was there. But what drew me away really was that 
the, the spiders chasing uh, yeah, Alex. I do kinda, remember that. It, it just didn't sit well with me, I guess. I guess some people can have a, a arachnophobia uh, and be deathly <laughs> afraid. Um, I, I guess it just didn't get me there. And then the I did make a big notion about the mask disparity when they when they use their voices in the mask. You know, sometimes they mm -hmm. have a we hear like a microphone or some kind of uh, effect going on. But the reverb was just ugly. <laughs> I don't know how you say it in, in audio, but it was ugly. So it, was right. just, it just wasn't great. Uh, what, what was your, I don't know that you have a best, but what was your <laughs> more memorable portions of this episode? Um, I was trying to remember. I know I liked that they chose Rax to kind of infiltrate and kind of earlier in the series, we'd seen him in uh, different setups. Uh, I can't remember which episode it was where they caught him like on video camera stealing something. And uh, I don't know. I kind of like Rex as their inside man more than any of the other Venom characters. He just seems he could weasel his way into whatever situation he needed to, you know. So I did like that. I do remember this was one of the episodes, one of the many episodes that he uh, wrecks the bike. Yeah. It's those horns on the front of the bike and they start detecting gold somewhere and he goes flying and crashes the thing, you know, and I can't remember what Vanessa says to him, but I'm sure it was something, you know, <laughs> jabbing at him. Oh yeah. But I mean, it was kind of good that they, they tied, I believe they tied those antlers into like Greek deities or gods, you know, that kind of uh, era. I can't remember exactly what, what he or she was the god of, you know, but um, I thought that I always like it when they use history. They do use history on a, on good occasions, not necessarily all the time. It's used in a used well, but uh, having that little background and and it's in it's inventive the the writers to use uh, history like that. Um, I do remember though. I kind of what bothered me was you know this was like this. Uh, huge secret monk society. They lived way up on that hill. You know, they had like a secret elevator to even get up to the place. And they had been keeping these horns secret for thousands of years or whatever it was. And they used the gold to, you know, buy food and whatever they needed up there. And I don't know. It just seemed like Rex, even though I liked, you know, he was the uh, infiltrator it was a bit too easy almost to steal those things. And you think there would have been more fail safes in play from the monks to, uh, to protect them. But again, it's only a 22 minute episode, so sure. they got to kind of move fast. Okay. <laughs> that leads us on to episode 43, the Chinese scorpion. Venom agent Bruno Shepard disguises his stinger vehicle as a giant iron scorpion. He kidnaps an archaeologist who knows the location of buried treasure inside the Great Wall of China. 
This was highly rated by both Jason and I, with uh, 33% voting for a 4, 27% for a 5, and 20% for a 3 and 2. So not too many people were actually uh, on our side. Uh, as far as yeah, it was more about, about half, yeah, yeah, but still, there's a little more than half. Four, you know, there's a significant vote for the four. Yeah, um, yeah, we voted both for five on this one, and this one was just fun. And they did some things uh, as far as the writing and and how they ended the episode, like they really hadn't done before. There was essentially a cliffhanger that was unresolved when venom is kind of left in this chamber with the gold and the door closes and, you know, the scorpions are closing in and what's going to happen to them. You know, Uh, it was almost like they had been defeated permanently. And I remember mask kind of drives off at the end of the, episode i don't even know if there's anything said but they just kind of drive off into the sunset after trapping venom in this chamber so it was very very interesting the way they did that and what you know your brain as a kid might have put together seeing that it wasn't one that i had remembered watching as a kid but you know you a kid's brain would have thought you know what venom's done <laughs> what's next yeah <laughs> so what did you pull out of uh shiny scorpion uh well despite seeing our new vehicle enter uh, on the venom side i was really enthralled i guess with the very similar night rider episode that they had and I, I still have yet to you know write down which episode that is Mm-hmm. But essentially, you see Thunderhawk, they're buried in, in the ground inside the uh, Great Wall, actually. And they're running low on oxygen. It's getting super hot in there. Mm-hmm. So they're basically, they let Thunderhawk loose. They fire up the jet engines. They somehow kick in the transmission, the car transmission as well. And this thing just ejects itself, rams through all this debris, this heavy wall. You see it tumble down the hill, you know, crashing and bashing. And that was just so much like a Knight Rider episode where they push this, they push, uh, this bulldozer rather, pushes Kit and Michael over the side of a cliff into basically a pit. Mm -hmm. And they get buried up. And Michael's having to use the oxygen within Kit, the cabin, to basically give him enough turbo boost to thrust himself out and back up onto the, to the basically the ledge. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just everything. They, they they literally just copied it short of like Thunderhawk jet blast. <laughs> um, it was so like that's what I I liked about it. I think the best. Yeah. Uh, how about you? That was a pretty good scene, and I don't know. I just like the reveal of the Scorpion vehicle and, and even just showing how it gets in and out of the shell. Yeah. That was really neat and kind of my standard moving forward of how to introduce a character and how to introduce their vehicle. I don't know if we got his mask necessarily I don't think we did. in that, but... Um, 
there was a lot of time spent, you know, with him talking and interacting and then showing the details of how that vehicle transformed into the, you know, it's defense mode really liked that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just, it was fun how they, how they introduced him. And I, I use that going forward as how you, <laughs> how you, how to do it right. You know, right. was really, and I remember thinking at the end of the episode and knowing that Doug Stone does Bruno's voice and Hondo and Bruce was in this episode plus Matt. So he had like four characters in this one episode. So that was to me really showcased his talents as a voice actor and especially here in mask. So uh, it was, it was a great episode. I think maybe perhaps the best of this stretch, but there was a few others that I voted pretty high. Uh, and this one had some ticks, had some little things that I pulled out. Like I believe the, uh, all the jokes and stuff finally wore on me. And there was some, uh, well, there was the, uh, T Bob scooter sound in this episode that we'd yeah. get annoyed with time to time. So there was some things like that, but all of the, the, the good, uh, uh definitely outweighed the bad in this episode. And, kind of made me even forget <laughs> some of those things that I would normally pull ratings down for, you know, but, uh, it was, uh, it was a pretty good episode overall. Agreed. Um, on to the next one. We had, uh, episode 44 riddle of the Raven master. This was the one where Vanessa and her trading Ravens attempt to steal the crown jewels in London. And to thwart Mask's efforts to stop Venom, Sly Rax plants a bomb in the famous Big Ben clock tower. This one, I guess, was a little all over the board as far as the listener poll go. The majority of the fans voted, uh, it was just 33%. They voted for a three, middle of the road. 22% of the fans voted for a five or a four. And then 11% voted for two and 11% voted for one. So this one was high and low, uh, mainly in the middle. And it showed with our ratings, definitely. I agree. Uh, I know that I rated it a little more forgiving like usual. Uh, I rated it a three. You rated it as a two. What what drove you to the, uh, the two? Um... I'm trying to remember exactly what kind of pushed the rating down for me. I don't know. I guess it was the plot mainly that I was just not able to connect with and the birds and then this whole thing with the bomb. And uh, I don't know there. I think the jokes even uh, stacked up on this one. And this was one of those episodes where there was no call up as well. Yes. And, I don't know. I try not to hold it against it, but it's just such a big part of mask and getting that call up each time is, I don't know. I think important to me and how I rate episodes. Cause it's, it's noticeable when they don't do it. Right. And you're like, okay, when's the call up? When's the call up coming? <laughs> when are the agents going to be summoned and come in and help and save the day? So we didn't get that, but um, there was something that I really liked in this one that pulled out. And again, it's that little, 
detail of essentially DNA technology being implemented in the episode and being way ahead of its time. And I think it had to deal with, was it Vanessa's hair? They, they find, uh, I think, uh, hair from Vanessa and run it through the computer. Yes, yes. And they're able to identify her. So that was just uh, pretty cool that they're using that kind of tech in 1985. Uh, <laughs> especially when that kind of evidence, you know, really wasn't precedent until, I don't know, probably the early 90s or mid 90s when it was really, you know, pushed through in courts and all that. But um, what did you take away from this episode? I guess the the best thing out of this was really um, the good animation with the altitude they were displaying as well as the, the, the wind. It seemed to be very... I do remember that, yep. Very obvious. It was, it was well... Articulated. That's the word I'm trying to think of. It was mm-hmm. great that way. But I'm like you, there was so much wrong with it. There was a huge disconnect with the, the those ravens attacking racks when they were trained to attack you know, the London guard. Uh, right. It, just, it yeah. just did not make sense whatsoever. I'm sure it was for comedy, uh, but it just, it, it didn't jive. So uh, I, I remember that being like one of the bigger points that uh that got yanked out of it Mm -hmm. but um yeah i guess that's my highlights for episode 44 which puts us on to the following the specter of captain kid mask attempts to foil a plot by venom to get their hands on the lost treasure of the pirate Captain Kidd in the Caribbean islands. Looks like this was a pretty heavy favorite. We had 41% voted for a four, 35% voted for a five, and 18% voted it a three, which you are of one of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was middle of the road with this one again with the three. You were a little bit higher as usual with a four on Spectre of Captain Kid. And there was a stretch, and this might have been the stretch where everything was kind of ho hum to me. <laughs> uh, there wasn't a, a whole lot that was standing out, but. Um, this one, I do remember there was a little disconnect with the drama at the break where Matt is sucked under that, like, whirlpool. Yeah. In that, those tunnels and stuff. And he, you know, Hondo and I believe Scott is there, or T-Bob, trying to get him out of that hole with the water filling up down beneath their feet. And then, uh, you know, Matt gets sucked down and he gets spit out into this uh, pool that's like above them. <laughs> and I was like, how, how did that work? You know, he should be dead and drowned or, you know, come, come out way down below from where they were standing. Right. But they just kind of looked over and, oh, there he is. I'm fine. And there was really no explanation on how they helped him to get there. You know, T-Bob had those, what was it his arms or something? Maybe it was uh, 
something that just came out of his back or something where he uh, was lowering down, trying to grab onto him. But that, that was just kind of weird how that, how that even took place at the halftime. So what did you, uh, maybe what was some good things or maybe some things that uh, you saw in this episode? I guess the, one of the cool things that they did, this effect was where they had that new, like a white flash behind the people when they were transforming the vehicles. But no, oh, yes, that, that was one of the cool things that I liked the, in the end, we learned that the, all the cannibals are gold, mm-hmm. uh, which was actually a very clever way to hide the gold. And then they used those canals to basically transport all those cannonballs. That was their tubes, essentially. So that mm-hmm. was, for me, that was all the, um, kept it, I guess, higher rating was the cleverness of that. Like you, I didn't like, it just did not make sense how, the canal supposedly shot higher in the background elsewhere. That, that was one of my bigger disconnects like you. Yeah. Um, one of the other things I did like about this episode was that we got to see Floyd Malloy and the vampire bike for the first time. And they did some nice transformation sequences of vampire. I do remember they even used his, uh, buckshot, Buckshot is his mask. It shoots those little pellets. Yeah. Uh, and I think even at one point, I don't know if it was Hondo or somebody uses them to, like, he, they back the uh, tires over. Maybe it was Dusty. And they gun it, and all those go shooting up towards Venom, you know. That was some some really creative uh, battles and stuff that they put together uh, in this one. And the one thing I did note was that the vehicle transformations were maybe the best that we've seen so far in any of the episodes. So they did a really good job with the animation there and how they transformed the vehicles. So, okay. Anything else on this one? No, I think that leads us on to episode 46. Yep. And that was the secret of the stones. Venom goes after a mystery stone that contains a power to make objects weightless, and it's up to Mask to stop them from obtaining these powers in a showdown near the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico. Uh, And this one was a pretty highly rated episode as far as the listeners go. 43% voted for, 36% voted for 5 and then we had 14% for 3 and 7%, which was probably one person, Voted for a one. Uh, I was high on this one. I was actually higher than you. Yeah. <laughs> for once. Yeah, I had a four, and you actually had a five. This was one of your premiere episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, what made it, I guess, stick out highly for you? This one was. Uh, I don't know. It was just interesting to me the how the powers worked and the the moonlight and how it you know made the. Uh, the stones lighter. It's just very creative. And one of the images that sticks out in my mind was when Matt lifts up the rhino <laughs> truck. Yeah. 
and cracks a joke about uh oh, it'd be easier to change the oil you know next time or something oh, yeah. that was really i don't know i i just thought that was fun but um again just going back over my notes the animation was really good on this one um and there was a lot of those really like side to side and sweeping shots uh setting up the scenes and i pulled quite a bit out to do my little panoramas that i like to do on this one and I thought they used Scott and T-Bob well uh, in secret of the stones. And that really helped the rating too. There was better humor and they, you know, established the uh, Frisbee throwing early in the episode. And they kind of used it throughout when they're trying to disable the venom vehicles with those big stones and, and all that. And, this was one of those rare episodes where Matt actually wore his ultra flash and rode in Rhino. And we got to see the, uh, what we were calling the fifth wheel buggy there again. Right. So that was, I thought really good. And there were some really better plot details and they gave Venom some, uh, some pretty good points. Like uh, I think at one point mayhem tells racks to disable the mask vehicles you know, and that that's why they had to use the fifth wheel buggy because I think he took out their tires or something. Yeah. And that was just smarter than usually what they give Mayhem uh, in these episodes. And he usually just, you know, converts to jet mode and I'm out of here. Right. Let's get out of here. You know, uh, really didn't have any of those moments in this episode. It was uh, pretty well done. Um, what did you take away? Really, I guess I like we usually say when we see the the uh, mortality of the vehicles and seeing them being crippled was a great great ad that they did with this episode. The story was great. It it, it wasn't the story that that got me. It made me mark it down. It was like kind of the edits. One of them was uh, where mm-hmm. they seemed to. When Dagger asks Vanessa for help, her response was like already anticipating it. Like it was a bad edit. It was a quick yes, right before he was even done talking. And then there was a mm-hmm. mechanical sound, like a latch sound when Ultra Flash was being put on. I don't know if you remember that. But that stuck out with me as well. But otherwise, actually, you covered most of my notes. So, uh, <laughs> but. It was the whole thing. It was a good episode. Like I said, um, the weightlessness was interesting. Watching Matt lift Rhino was pretty cool. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, it was, it was a really good episode. And I liked that, you know, you know, sometimes we find a way that reaches back to our script. And this did it mentioned tracker oil. I right. Kind of right. A cool niche, even though we hadn't reached this episode in our, uh, yeah, DVD set that we bought. It, it, it's kind of like, oh, hey, this actually worked out very well. <laughs> yeah, the same way with um, uh, the first one we were talking about there, uh, stop motion where they're essentially robbing a bank. Yeah, which we yeah. you know included. So there was a there was a couple episodes, not many, but obviously those ones that we tied into what we had wrote for our script helped our rating i think agreed so 
That moves us on to episode 47, The Lost Fleet. Mask tries to stop Venom, who goes to Iceland in search of a, the legendary golden fleet of ships. I voted it as a three. You voted it as a two with our listeners voting it as uh, 44% for a four. 25% for a 5, 19 for a 3, and 13% for a 2. So this was actually kind of all across the board. Uh, a little mm-hmm. heavier on the 4 and 5s, but... Um, we sure as heck didn't see that. <laughs> no, we did not for some reason. Was there something uh, that made your ratings um, so illustriously low? <laughs> well, I don't know. The... There were some things when they did the battle towards the end of the episode, and again, this just could have been my monitor or the the video on YouTube, but it seemed dark, and I couldn't necessarily see where a switchblade was flying around and all that, so that kind of took me out of the episode, and then just the mechanics of how they were you know trying to put this huge canvas and essentially a balloon together to raise the ground up and then the you know the thing pops but the roof is still staying up and not caving in and and uh, this was another one of those classic ones where ma'am just kind of gave up too quickly and there was one little mistake with i think matt bruce's uh voice or something um, yeah, they swapped vehicles. That's the thing. Oh, they—that's—that's that's that's what they did. That's you know, they, they basically did a Star Trek teleport and went to from vehicle right. to vehicle. And then the the accents that they used for the native people, and even with the introduction of uh, Jacques Lefleur, it was a little un- hard to understand the characters in this one. I remember having to go back a couple times and. Let me let me try to make out what he said, and even there's sometimes I was like, ah, I don't know what it was. <laughs> I just moved on, you know. And the other thing that kind of weird on me, they did pretty good with Jacques and Volcano in this one, but they also introduced Outlaw and Nash Gory, but didn't really. I don't know. He he was used a little bit, and then a little bit with the the outlaw vehicle and how it transformed, but they didn't really focus in on some of the other, like they've, when they've introduced other characters and stuff. Right. So um, what was your takeaway? Um, there are just way too many errors uh, throughout the whole episode. The story was okay. And I think that's why I kept it a little bit higher, but for the, and it, for the most part, it was just so much was wrong with it. The, you know, you see the kind of a misnomer command where Matt calls it Spectrum when he's clearly wearing the lava mask. Lava shot, yeah. yeah did, I do remember that. Makes sense. I, I figured that was an error. The battle was way too brief. It was okay, but not. it was just too brief for me. Yeah, that's, <laughs> and sadly, that's about all there was yeah. to mention with this episode, which is kind of sad but it is what it is yeah there was just some disconnect there too i think this is the one where scott and t-bob fall into that 
crack in the ground when it, you know, the earth starts to quake and there was something they, they kind of really made their rescue more complex than it should have been. And then being able to see them with Thunderhawk flying over and not using like spectrum or something to scan and, and find them. He just kind of spots them from way up above and they're way down in this crack. And it was a little, I don't know, unbelievable, I guess to me, (laughs) the way they, kind of found them but yeah i was down on this episode so i guess we we both agreed uh for once on that one and then the next uh episode that we got to was episode 48 quest of the canyon the plot on this one was mask heads to carlsbad caverns where venom is trying to find and steal the lost treasure of legendary gunman jesse james and uh the listeners were actually kind of down on this one the majority of them uh 44 voted for two with 33 percent voting for three and then 23 percent voting for five and we were pretty down on this one as well we were both voting two. So, what did you take away or not take away? I guess from um, uh, this one. Seems like there was just a lot of whining with T. Bob. I mean, more than usual. That's one of the things that I got. <laughs> the Matt uses Spectrum, but it didn't seem all that beneficial as we kind of just looked through the mask. But we don't see anything. He says, we, we, you know, oh, there's the tunnel. But we mm-hmm. don't see any, a blip, no, no heat signature, nothing. Uh, so there's a big disconnect for me. Uh, Dusty, why didn't Dusty call for help during the episode when, uh, during the, uh, the rescue? Yeah. Just uh, that roller coaster ride of Bruce was cool, but it just seemed like it was too lengthy. Like, are we going to mm-hmm. end this, this roller coaster? Basically, there's a lot of time wasted on things like the donkey, uh, yeah. donkey train. I'll call it watching venom climb onto the skids of switchblade towards the end. Uh, in fact, I've made a comment here. I uh, likened it to your Panda power. This was one of those <laughs> I, I almost wanted to rate it lower, but couldn't. Yeah, and I I remember being, I guess, disappointed more than anything with this one because it could have been better. And, it, it, again, it's the details that they got wrong with, uh, you know, their, their $10 million in gold amounting to a sack full that Dagger was carrying over his back like Santa Claus. Right. You know, uh, so that's your you're going to all this trouble just for that much. And of course that's not going to account for $10 million, but that just kind of got me out of there. And just that they, you know, dusty could have been removed from this episode altogether and it would have probably bumped my rating up to three. And it's not because I don't like dusty, but it was everything that he did. He was just like a liability in causing, uh, the team to get distracted or have to save him or, you know, (laughs) I don't know. They just didn't sit well with me. And again, there was by halftime, I was ready to 
go pull my hair out because of all the <laughs> bad jokes and puns and roll your eyes moments, as I say, just in the first half. So, and then again, I kind of felt like the, uh, the introduction of Ace Riker could have been better and how they did use his boomerang mask. So that was neat to see. Uh, but we didn't get to see Slingshot transform at all. And he was only there because he was kind of grew up in the area, I think, or something. So, I don't know. I thought that was uh, a miss on the part of uh, the writers or the producers of introducing another character. So that's what I kind of made this one a lot lower. This now leads us up to episode 49, Follow the Rainbow. Venom goes to Ireland to find the lost treasure of High King Brian Baru at the end of the rainbow. It's up to Mask and new agents Julio Lopez and Calhoun Burns to stop them. 57% voted a four. And then there was a three-way tie with uh, 14% that voted for a five. A three and a two. So this was, uh, even though it was kind of weighted on the four, it was really all over, it seemed. Mm-hmm. And uh, you voted it a lot higher. In fact, we we're two marks off. You voted it as a four, and it, I guess it basically ticked me off this day. I voted it as <laughs> a two. But uh, what made yours so, uh, so uh, welcome? <laughs> um. I don't know. I, and I think we even mentioned when we were talking about this episode that it must have caught me on a good day and caught you on a bad day. <laughs> uh, and we should have been maybe more towards the middle rather than four and two. But I don't know. Uh, I think a lot of it had to do with, again, just how they used Scott and T-Bob and that the whole reason for them to be part of the mission was that they were trying to prove themselves right. And was it Mike, I think was the, the farmhand there or whatever that uh, goes and tells Venom. And he was telling Matt that they were just full of it and not to believe them. They were just telling stories and stuff. And Scott gets a little angry at him and he uh, essentially, they go off to try to find the gold to, prove they were telling the truth. So I don't know. I kind of like that, I guess, as opposed to them kind of stumbling into what uh, they usually do, you know, like at the end of the episode and they're just off doing their own thing and, Oh, there's venom. Let's try to do something, you know? Right. I did like, uh, I guess the way they introduced mainly Raven and Calhoun Burns in the Gulliver mask where they shrink uh, Matt to make the little leprechaun, you know, to scare dagger and uh, mayhem away at the end. I did like that, uh, but we didn't really get too much of uh, firefly. And I don't think any of his, uh, was it steamer or streamer mask that he has uh, in this one. So he, he was there, but he was kind of just background, <laughs> you know, they didn't, we didn't really get into Julio at all. Uh, in this one, but um, I, I I guess 
well, I'll, I'll let you take it for a little bit, but I noticed the, uh, the sound effects were, weren't necessarily up to par for me on mainly the vehicles, but, um, one of many things. Yes. You, (laughs) you picked out a lot more than, uh, than I did. There was just one. I was already not drawn in this for whatever reason, like, like you said, it could have been a bad day for all I know. I was not drawn into this. It was so, um, I hate to say it, it was kind of a yawn. Just, I could not get into this episode. And then the, the mistake after mistake, it seemed like they just, it's like everybody had a bad day. The writers, the, uh, the sound uh, editors, just, it was all the way wrong. And like you said, the, you know, the introduced characters and the masks aren't even used. I, I think I remember making a comment that I, uh, at the halfway point, I said, it's already down to like well, 1.21 gigawatts. <laughs> yeah. I just couldn't. I do remember that. Yeah. It was just so bad. I hate to say remove it from the library, and that's why I made it a two, but it was, <laughs> it's, it's on there. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, but yeah. Well, you're allowed to. You still got. Uh, you still got a one in your back pocket somewhere since I rated Panda Power a one. Did you actually ultimately make it a one? I don't think you. I did. Yeah. Okay. It, that was. I did rate it a one. The only one I've ever done that. <laughs> I've had some twos in there, and I couldn't remember. Was, uh, I can't remember. I thought too. you said that you would would not make it a one. But I no, remember. I definitely. It was definitely a one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, anyway. That leads us to our final episode of this season, episode 50, The Everglades Oddity. Right. And this basically did a big 180 for at least me. Matt Tractor is bitten by a venomous snake, and Bobby recovers. Alex Sector must lead the mask team with help from T-Bob. To stop Venom's plan of stealing the NASA space shuttle. 44% voted it a 5. 56% oddly voted it a 4 or a 3. I didn't think it was that bad and neither did you it seemed. We both thought it was a 5. Yep. What what impressed you? Well, it was just good to end on a high note, you know, going into the next season. Because we... I think you had a stretch there of twos and threes, and I, I did well. I, I did vote uh, that one a four, but I think you almost talked me down to a three by the time we were done. <laughs> the uh, follow the rainbow, but um, yeah, you know the the animation was good, and uh, again, I honed in on Doug Stone and how he voiced Matt through some of the pain and uh, some of the just the sequences of him being weary and tired, wanting to help and all that from his uh, bed. I thought he did a really good job with his voice in this one. And then, uh, I don't know. I mean, it was just, it was, uh, it, the animation was top notch and the story just being different and that, you know, Matt is heard and Alex takes over and the, the team has to really, step up their game since Matt's out of the picture until uh, later in the episode when we see him and T-Bob essentially save the day, uh, which was fun to see. But 
I was pretty high on this, and I liked the overall story, I guess, is what really put me up there. And it, it really could have been, except for maybe a few little uh, things here and there with the battle and the way they used those, like, silly putty bombs or whatever they were <laughs> that we couldn't identify if it was smoke or concrete or right. what in the world it was. There's just a few little details like that, that if they had gotten those right, it would have been like right up there with some of the best ones that we've uh, reviewed so far. But why did you hold it in such high accord? Uh, one, it was uh, basically a 180, like a night and day. Just I, I the suspense of Matt, being bitten by that poisonous snake. Um, mm-hmm. I guess I, one of the things I do remember, which was kind of cool, T-Bob gets his own little, basically pontoon airboat. Right, yeah. Conversion. But I guess the, the cooler part was when they, when we hear the, the, the technical stuff coming from Alex, where he, you know, basically instructs the Thunderhawk computer to broadcast a message uh, over the PA yes. system and then gets the boys over to basically get the, the antivenom. And then he flips the message to, okay, this is a 1330, you know, need to assemble the mosh team and boom. It's just like, that was so cool. Uh, I realized Thunderhawk is nowhere yeah. near kit, but that was actually still pretty cool to have that, that, that technical side to engage the, the computer to, to know what to do. Yeah. Like I said, the whole thing was just a, complete night and day and then we have uh our uh, illustrious hero t-bob coming to save the day with thunderhawk which was yeah part partly comical you know him trying to fumble and try to figure out thunderhawk but it was still pretty uh pretty sweet episode uh, we i like that we ended our season on a very high note yeah yeah, and one to uh, I guess gauge <laughs> for the next. Yeah, yeah. Keep hopefully we'll uh, still keep that transition as we go into the next stretch of episodes we're going to review, and have that positivity because <laughs> uh, you know a lot of times we get into a rut. At least I do. It seems where just from two or three episodes we're like. Ugh. Come on, come on. Where's that good episode? We're waiting for it. I know it's coming. <laughs> so it was good to good to actually get that uh, at the end of this one. But, um, well, that kind of finishes up our a quick little overview of all 10 episodes. Um, I did put up a uh, poll, and we've had a, a few votes in that. We didn't get any comments really on uh, why these were voted for, but Basically, when we get to this point, I like to give everyone an opportunity to vote for their favorite episodes. And um, just looking at the poll right now, there was 22 votes. Uh, the The one that got the most was uh, Everglades Oddity. We had uh, six for that. And then right behind that was Chinese Scorpion with five. We had uh, Secret of the Stones got four votes. And then right behind that, Stop Motion Quest for the Canyon. Got two. We had one for Riddle the Raven Master, one for Lost Fleet, one for Follow the Rainbow. And poor Artemis Enigma and Spectre Captain Kid did not get any votes. So that was 
that was the uh, poll results for that. And a little bit into now our statistics and how 41 to 50 compares to 1 through 10, 11 through 20, 21 to 30, 31 to 40. And just for a refresher, the last stretch, 31 to 40, was actually our most highly rated, both of us, um, so far. In that we got a combined score. If you you know if you're going to count ten episodes, and you were to rate them all fives, that would be fifty points. That would be the maximum you would give uh, any one of these seasons. And you gave the last stretch thirty-one to forty a forty-six, and I was at a thirty-nine, which was my highest. But uh, we were pretty high coming off of those episodes. Uh, the ones before that really uh, was probably the first 10. Yeah, the first 10 was really the benchmark. We did not beat that until uh, season one. We did not beat that until we got to season four with our ratings. But uh, it was interesting to see. We've still had quite a few fives, and the rating overall rating was higher than I thought was going to be. Uh, I had three fives, two fours, one three, and four twos. So my total score, with the, again, with the highest possible score is 50. Um, season five, I rated 34. And then, Wyatt, you had three fives, mm-hmm. two fours, three threes, and two twos. So we were pretty close as far as the... Uh, our top scores, and then you were just a little bit, gave a few more threes, and I was more on the two range uh, with uh, our rating, and your overall was 43. So this ended up being the second highest for you. I'm sorry, third highest for you. So, and then mine actually was next to last. <laughs> but I've most of my scores have been consistent 39, 38, 35, this was 34, and then my worst was 11 to 20, was 32. And then you, your high was 46, and then 44, and then this season, which was 43, 42, and 36, which was 11 to 20. So, kind of middle of the pack, I guess, even though we we did get a lot of fives and fours out of that. Yeah. Seems like. Any thoughts on your overall score? Did that surprise you at all, or do you th- about where you thought it was going to be? I guess it's about par. Uh, I didn't know where I'd really land up, but as we're talking through the the reviews, it's probably about about par for the course. Yeah, um, yeah. I know that I do rate things most of the time higher, but yeah, that. That's about par. How about you? Well, how did you feel? Yeah, I actually thought maybe it had a chance to be one of the the lower ones for me. You know, really? whereas I know I, well, I haven't even had a score in the 40s yet, <laughs> and you've had four of your seasons in the 40s, so I definitely rate a little bit lower. But the fact that I actually had three fives, which tied for the most most fives in one of those 10-episode stretches, that was a little surprising to me. I didn't remember having uh, that many uh, highly rated episodes. And 
I, you know, I'm usually good for a two and even a one, you know, <laughs> in some of these episodes, but four twos, that was definitely the most I've given in 10 episodes so far. And I didn't even have a two or a one in the, in the previous season, and which is why that has proved to be my best stretch. Right. So this was a lot of highs, a lot of lows, <laughs> not a lot in the middle on this one. That's right for me. So it was, uh, I always have fun looking at those stats and, uh, seeing how it compares. And it seems like we're still going to tell people to go watch episodes 31 to 40 of the most and skip uh, 11 to 20. <laughs> <laughs> if we had to make some recommendations there, but, um, anyway, I still enjoyed this season, and I guess let's maybe can you pick two or three of your favorite moments that you'll probably retain from this season? Oh, probably the two better ones would be this most recent episode, Everglades Oddity. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, with the the technical side, you know, like like I just said, yeah, reaching back to the. Thunderhawk computers spilling out specific codes and mm-hmm. it reacts to that. And then Chinese Scorpion, where we get the Knight Rider dubbed Knight Rider scene with them ejecting out of the basically their grave. Yeah. Uh, to me, that was probably the two greatest moments, at least for me, in, in, in this stretch. There's been good mm-hmm. good stories. But as far as the action, that's probably the better, better things that would stick out for me. Mm-hmm. How about you? Uh, yeah, definitely the Chinese scorpion scene where they bust out of the wall and seeing Thunderhawk kind of all wrecked, and uh, that was some pretty good drama there too. And you know, basically that new vehicle smashing them in the wall, um, and just how it ended. I mean, that was just it. Just made for a great episode, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, like I mentioned before, another one of those images that I'm taking away is Matt lifting Rhino with one arm <laughs> from Secret of the Stones. Uh, and then they also used, and they uh, that was another, I think, reason why I rated it so high, uh, Secret of the Stones, was that they incorporated the ejector seat on Rhino. Yeah. When, remember, T-Bob gets like trapped in there with that monkey. And it was that. kind of a it was kind of a stupid little <laughs> way to, to use that function. But the fact that they worked it in, I thought was really fun and that they, that translated to the toy. Right. Um, another one, probably my second favorite behind that Thunderhawk scene was when they introduced Jock and Volcano in Lost Fleet. And even though I didn't rate it very highly, I thought that was really fun how they introduced him using the, what mask is it that he uses where he disappears, you know, and Mirage. Um, He uses the Mirage mask and he, you see the uh, transport plane come in, it opens up, nothing comes out and then it takes off again. And um, I think Matt even says, I think Jock is playing one of his tricks again and, I don't know. I just thought that was a fun introduction right. to that character in the vehicle. We got to see the vehicle some too 
in that, even though it had those stupid like sandblaster guns yeah. that just did nothing. But uh, <laughs> uh, and then I I kind of likened that too in Follow the Rainbow, where we got to see Calhoun and some cool transformations in that one with Raven converting, going into the water and the use of the Gulliver mask and how they kind of plug that into the story uh, of the episode. So those four moments were probably my favorites out of this one. And uh, I did have a couple that were, I would call my least favorite moments. Did you note any of those? I wouldn't call them moments. Um, previous episode, the follow of the rainbow was pretty, pretty sour episode, almost, almost all the way around. Okay. And then I guess episode sixty-three as well. Uh, Quest. I'm sorry, Matchcast sixty-three, episode forty-eight, Quest of the Canyon, where I guess out of picking that apart a little bit, what got me the most is the the length it's like they added they had to add stuff to it just to stretch it to make it 22 minutes it was just yeah. like the roller coaster ride we, we've already talked about so they just added to it when it, yeah it probably didn't need to be added uh, yeah so and i do remember us both kind of agreeing um i didn't write it down actually in my least favorites but uh it was in the uh, Captain Kid episode where there the the episode's flowing by, and then all of a sudden there's like this stop, and oh, T Bob and Scott are going after something, and they disturbed this beehive, and we were both like, man, they could have just done without that whole yes. three or four minutes of the episode and exactly. just cut it, make it nineteen minutes, and we would have rated it a lot higher. <laughs> So I can I can sympathize with you know how you felt coming out of uh, Quest for the Canyon and trying to stretch and man that felt like they just stretching when they did that little sidebar with Scott and T Bob. A couple of things I marked down. I just thought that you know again the the, the introductions to the characters I've put a lot of weight on those and I think they're very important and they've done it well. Even you know the first time when they introduced uh, Hurricane, and you know when Hondo's firecracker truck gets splatted by the uh, you know anti gravity ray or matter ray or whatever it was, and they all the agents come together at the end of the episode and they open up the door and uh, give Hondo his new ride and I mean that was just a, such a cool moment and they've done a lot of these introductions really well. And I just was a little bit disappointed with uh, Nash Gorian outlaw and Ace Riker with slingshot and even Julio with firefly, which they kind of redeemed themselves a little bit uh, later on in a, a later episode. But I don't know. I'm always looking for a good first impression. And uh, I think they could have done better uh, with uh, a couple of those episodes. And then the one that really stuck out to me was from uh, the Raven Master when they had the big battle at the end of the, towards the end of the episode. And Matt drops a couple bombs from Thunderhawk onto this like castle that was nearby to drop 
you know, the, the rubble and boulders and stuff created by the explosion drop that on uh, Manta and kind of disable the vehicle. I thought that's just not Matt's personality. You know, they, you know, they use uh, different things creatively without being violent where they, you know, shoot a hillside and rocks fall and Bruce will use lifter to help save them or, they've destroyed jackhammer that way where they just shoot the hillside and drop a big boulder on it, you know? Right. So, you know, they, they have, there's, there's some ways around just the, the way those cartoons were made back in the eighties where they had to show those PSAs and stuff at the end too, to make it worth uh, their while and not to be too edgy. But I don't know. I just felt like, Matt dropping those bombs and destroying a an old building there in London just to stop Venom didn't seem like his personality to me. Not at all. So that one really, I guess, left a sour taste in my mouth. But uh, but overall, I you know I'll I'll, I'll be remembering the better moments. I I would say more in this stretch. I didn't I didn't see one panda, so I'm I'm good to go. Uh. <laughs> just want to touch uh, and reflect on uh, some of our special podcasts that we did during the stretch that weren't necessarily episode reviews. And uh, the reason why we've taken quite a while to get through these 10 episodes was we've done a lot of these mass cast chats, yeah, which has been really we, fun. I didn't realize we did so many. Right. We actually did uh, eight in this stretch. So we almost did like a extra whole season of <laughs> mass yeah. cast as we're going through these reviews, but uh, it was fun. We took the time, you know, when these news headlines have been hitting about Hasbro and all the stuff that they're doing with their cinematic universe now. And we're just waiting to hear from, you know, the writer's room, any kind of rumors, what's what their plan is to release these films. Um, once that news kind of broke in, officially we got to sit down with uh eric from boulderhill.net and uh and hash that out and then you know we got this whole announcement about the comic book series and that's when we met mike quackenbush and we got to interview him who was uh really motivated to, to uh be that writer be that uh person that brings mask uh back to comic books Unfortunately, that didn't happen, but we got to see some of his concept art and put that up on our site and then just hear his heart on how Mask has influenced him and how he uh, really wanted uh, to see that come back to the comics. And that was really fun to uh, meet him. And uh, again, we went through uh, the, the actual announcement of... Uh, the comic book series with Eric again, when uh, we got to see some of the art and characters and uh, all that, we got to meet Bill Higa who was trying to put together that uh, reunion for the voice actors at um, San Diego comic con. We tried to make that happen. There was a Kickstarter that was uh, out there, but uh, unfortunately that didn't happen, which was, Disappointing, but um, and I didn't really get the full details or reasons behind 
why that kind of fell apart. But um, just the fact that somebody was motivated enough to try to make a reunion happen with several of the actors. And again, we've got to meet Doug Stone and uh, I'm not sure if any of the other actors have really went to conventions before, but it's mainly if they have, it's been kind of on their own. So it just shows the love of somebody who appreciates the mask and the, you know, the, the classic series that they want to try to get everybody together in a room get some awesome prizes there that they had on Kickstarter to make it all happen. And I know there's some autograph stuff that was out there. So that was really neat for him and for to talk to him and meet another fan. It was about as crazy for mask as we are. (laughs) So that was good. And then, uh, yeah, we, we talked some more comics with Eric and, uh, Bill from matttracker.com. We, uh, Met with both of them again on Mask Day in September to talk about that. And then uh, we've got a chance to review a couple comics with uh, with them as well um, throughout this stretch. And like we mentioned earlier, we hope we'll get to uh, do an overview of those first five issues uh, with them uh, sometime in the future here. And we can really dip in and get our opinions and stuff. But that was kind of the stretch of uh, special podcasts in there. And again, like I said, it was nice to meet some new fans and nice to bring our buddies back and just sit down and chat and have a fun talk about Mask. But uh, now we get to kind of look in the uh, old crystal ball and see what we've got coming uh, in the future for episodes 51 to 60. And what we're calling season six of Mass Cast. Yeah, we have Dragonfire, which is episode 51. Venom goes to Borno to seek a lost temple. When they find it, they unleash the temple's lizard guardians against Mask. That sounds interesting. It could be. It could be also a great uh, T-Bob episode there. (laughs) (laughs) Lizard guardians, that... Just sounds like something out of straight out of a comic book or something. It does. Uh, it is a cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, episode fifty-two: The Royal Cape Caper. Venom steals. Yeah. <laughs> I butchered that one up. I'm sorry. <laughs> Cape and helmet, then mass-produced replicas, <laughs> selling them as expensive fakes. Uh, this seems like. Hmm. A- Another money scheme for Venom. Yeah, more practical. Yeah. 53, Patchwork Puzzle. Venom steals a Civil War era quilt that contains a secret message to finding buried treasure at the monument in Washington, D.C. This might be fun. Interesting. Yeah. That sounds a lot like, uh, <laughs> like uh, what was that movie with Nicolas Cage, uh, National Treasure, where they find oh, the yes. treasure map on the back of the Indi- Declaration of Independence. Uh, yeah, that'd be fun. That's what it sounds like, yeah. Yeah. Then we have 54, Fog on Boulder Hill. Venom kidnaps an old woman who is hiding $20 bill printing plates. Venom wants the plates so they can make counterfeit money. Uh, what a surprise there. Yeah, but, it's going yeah. to be fun to see Boulder Hill again because like uh, my buddy Anna said early on, 
I think this is only one of two episodes where Boulder Hill is essentially on display and all of its mechanics and, right. and all that. Then for episode 55, Plunder of Glowworm Grotto. Mask member Julio Lopez goes to New Zealand to help a local tribe preserve their land. There he discovers a venom plot to steal pearls from giant clams that live in the ocean. Hmm. Yeah, I'll... It seems interesting, but when I hear the glowworm, I think of that. Uh, yes, I was. I was just gonna go there. Uh, that doll back in the eighties. Remember that? Oh, oh, and nah, I wasn't going there, but oh. uh, <laughs> I was thinking of that episode where they have those big worms with the glowing eyes and stuff. Uh, oh yeah, I didn't even think about that. I don't think I remember rating that one very highly. So. <laughs> We'll I guess we'll see. Yeah. You might get a reprieve. Uh, yeah. Episode 56, Stone Trees. Masked member Jacques Lafleur finds a stone tree inscribed with strange symbols. Venom later steals the tree, hoping it will lead them to a golden Indian totem. Hmm. So we're going back for gold, it looks yeah. like. And then episode 57, Incident in Istanbul. Venom hijacks an armored car in Istanbul, stealing Constantine's chess set, which contains secrets to finding his golden crown. That could be interesting. You know, little chess pieces yeah. are the clue. Interesting, yeah. The episode 58, The Creeping Desert. A corrupt landowner hires Venom to destroy land in Acapulco, Mexico, rendering them worthless patches of desert so he can buy it up real cheap and restore the land later with an advanced hydration machine. Interesting. Now that sounds really good. I always like when they, when Venom is interacting with somebody or essentially hires them. You know, when they're, Venom's not necessarily the only bad guy. I think those have been worked out pretty well so far. I agree. This seems like it'd be an actual, uh, an actually clever episode here. Mm-hmm. Fifty nine, the Scarlet Empress. Mask member Calhoun Burns accidentally shrinks a priceless statue uh, Venom is trying to steal. A curious bird makes off with the statue. Hmm. I don't know. This one, now, I do remember going past an episode where it was almost like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Oh, that, that's this, and this they, could be interesting. Then. And they they essentially shrink the, the agents, and you have... Uh, I think the mask agent's real small and the venom agent's really large, you know, and they're trying to, <laughs> I don't know. It might, it might be that one. I could be wrong, but I have seen an episode like that. So. <laughs> huh, interesting. Yeah. And then the final episode for our season, episode 60, Venice menace. I guess it's a take on Dennis, the menace. <laughs> uh, venom has a device that turns the waters around Venice to jelly allowing Stinger to drive on the surface and dig up Cleopatra's sunken barge. Uh, this sounds a little bit more like sci-fi, but this could actually be fun. <laughs> yeah. And I maybe in all our episodes, and I haven't paid too much attention to the debut dates, mm-hmm. but I'm noticing here this was a daily debut. Like these were yeah. during the days. Uh, 
you know, taking it 60, 50 episodes before I make the connection. But I've never noticed, I never really paid attention to the dates when they aired. I know you spit them out typically uh, at the intro of every right. episode. It just didn't dawn on me till I'm sitting here looking at this table. I'm going, wow, this was actually a daily. So this might yeah. not have been an actual Saturday morning. This might have been no. the USA Networks or whomever picked it up uh, daily show. Yeah, I mean, it was it was USA Network. It was uh, a weekday show. That's how you get to those 65 episodes. Um, you take, uh, I've done the math before, but it's like they want the, they do enough episodes to run four times in one year. So the 65 episodes are there for a reason, and, and so they can, you know, run throughout the year. And that's how Mask was. It debuted, I think, on September 30th is what we use as Mask Day. Right. And then ran through, I think, that December. And then season two, those 10 episodes we get that the racing series, I believe, debuted the next September. and But only lasted, you know, a couple of weeks, I guess. I, I don't know when exactly they decided to pull the plug, but... um. I, I want to say that those those either debuted in, in real quick like that, or maybe they did spread them out over several weeks. And maybe only did like one new one or two new ones a week to stretch it out a little bit more. But anyway, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting and uh, stinks at the same time too that uh, we didn't get we didn't get any more mask uh, than we did. But uh, yeah, it was all. All running in concession there in 1985. So I'm looking forward to this. It sounds really interesting. There's a lot of, it seems like stuff in the U.S., but we're still going uh, outside the U.S. quite a bit as well. Right. So it's truly a international show, even though it's, I guess you would say, somewhat based in the U.S. Yeah. Uh, I find it fascinating that they they seem to be uh, the so-called world police. Uh, unfortunately, it all ends up being, you know, with one particular band, Venom, which, I mean, that's part of the, the show. Uh, it would have mm-hmm. been interesting. I'm sure they've, well, I know they've done it with the, the comic books, but it would have been interesting if, they, if Venom were in the picture and some offshoot, crime wave that's happening and mask is called in for their expertise to infiltrate it and, you know, basically Mm -hmm. uh, kill it off. I think that would have been an interesting episode to say the least to see. Well, um, I guess it's going about to do it for our overview, man. Uh, I'm looking forward to the next season. It's getting pretty uh, crazy to think that, Probably before we finish this stretch, we'll we'll have released 100 episodes of MassCast in all, counting the chats and everything. So we are getting we're getting near the end. <laughs> we are, uh, which is exciting, and yet at the same time, I'm like, well, what are we going to do when we're done reviewing episodes? We're going to go back and <laughs> review them again, or pick a couple to see if we can see some. Uh, some better, you know, uh, pick some bad ones. Maybe we can find some good in them. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, 
maybe by that time we'll have uh, news on a movie, news on maybe new toys coming, and we'll keep you know MassCast going beyond just uh, you know reviewing the episodes. But it's fun to think about. Yeah, it is. I guess that ends our our review. Yep. It's been fun. This was a good stretch. Very good. Well, thanks for joining us here on MassCast. We, we really have been having a great time reviewing, reviewing these episodes for what seems to be, what, about five years now? <laughs> um, it has been, literally. But it is, it's fun. We get to see, you know, as kids, we just watch and go and maybe act some of the scenes out. Uh, usually after Christmas or a birthday. Uh, <laughs> right. But in, in the same part, part, we're now fast-forwarding, living some of our youth, and it's just an, intriguing to relive it. That's the best way to put it. Right. To relive it, and then, you know, we seem to repeat it lately, but being able to now interact with some of these people, you know, Doug Stone, uh, Sharon Noble, it's it's fun to be able to say, hey, uh, hi, <laughs> uh, I'm yeah. a fan. I didn't realize I'd ever get to meet you unless I lived yeah. in L.A. and just happened to know who you were. Uh, <laughs> so that it's just fun. And, and I hope you, the listener and fan, have really enjoyed journeying down MassCast. Uh, we know we have a fan base. Uh, we, we truly do appreciate you listening to us. I know some of our episodes are length to say the least but uh, I hope you find some enjoyment out of our episodes yep I agree and with that we conclude thanks for uh, listening to us and join us next time on MassCast